Hey. Hi. Hi, guys. So, Henrietta, are you there yet? If I'm there yet? Yeah. <laughs> are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> um, no, we're not there yet. And I thought that we talked about that. Like, we're not getting, like, we're getting closer, but I don't think we're getting there wherever it might there be. Is, I think there is a moving target. I think so, too. I think every time we progress further, it uh, it moves ahead also. So, um, nope, still not there. But it's interesting, you know? New, new aspirations on the daily. <sighs> new journey, new user experience map. I new remember when I studied user experience, I was like, oh, my God, I'm the user of my life. <laughs> I can change the experience <laughs> of my life. <laughs> it blew my mind. I was like, user experience is everywhere. It's like when I did the old MBA, I just kept coming back to these exercises around constraints. I can't even say it. And decision making trees. <laughs> I wonder why I wonder why you can't say it. <laughs> Because I don't have any boundaries, bitch. <laughs> no, you're limitless. I'm limitless. I'm I completely meant in a fluid. Half full kind of way. In a what? In a half full kind of way, rather yeah. than a half empty. I am half full. I'm. I really feel half full right now. No, today we decided for our third, our third episode that we're going to be talking about values. And what m values means to us, and how do you like, how do you set them, and is it something that you aspire to, or is it something that you're using as, what would you say, as a life tool at all, or is it something you even think about or question? Yeah. And I have like, to be honest, I can like, I can jam riff a bit on this or jam a bit on on this. I have been like doing, <coughs> well, Tina knows and some of you other listeners who know me um, probably knows this as well that I'm really into Danielle Laporte I love Danielle Laporte and she um, she did this book called uh, The Desire Map where she's talking about core desired feelings and for me I think that's the closest to values that I've got like it's not something I live by. It's something I write down every day. I have like this journal, this desire journal, like this, yeah, with my core desired feelings in it. And um, I can let you know what some of them are. So for me, my core desired feelings that I aspire to feel every day are uh, it's love, it's tenderness, it's rock and roll, it's uh nurture and it's affluence and i try in my own little fucked up way to, <laughs> to do that <laughs> to feel these feelings every day and kind of navigate my life around it so for me it's it's important that i have this like crazy outlet which is the rock and roll it could also be badass you know like i also want to be badass but sometimes i'm a bit too badass and a bit too rock and roll and then i go back to to love and tenderness and affluence, you know? Yeah. So I kind of really like that way of, of riffing on it, just as a daily reminder. Um, there's some bigger, what would you say, pointers? There's some bigger aspirations I have to actually devalue, like to evolve my value set. But um, yeah, maybe we should riff about that a bit later. Mm. How about you? Where are you on values, Tina? I mean, I kind of actually really like how you've uh, identified it tangibly. I mean, for me, there's there's a lot I have there's a lot that I have thought about values and a lot that I haven't thought about values. But I, I mean, part of the I've actually like nerded on this a lot because I realized like I never stopped to question my values um, growing up. Like first, I was like, okay born in New York okay so there's like American set of values there's New York set of values there's being born in an Indian household set of values um, the values that my 
uh, family kind of started to value because of survival, like so things like money, which is also a thing uh, in an American context as well with all these immigrants and stuff, which everybody is an immigrant in America. Let's just own that. But I, and I think values, I mean, from a theoretical perspective, they just, they evolve based on what you need, right? Like that's how values have typically been identified. And, and I've noticed this, like, cause I even like, I looked at values and culture, right? And I looked at like, okay, well, so where my, where my lineage is from is from a small province called Sindh in, uh, in present day Pakistan. <clears throat> and it's, we're a bit like Jews where, you know, the, di the language is dying out and the culture is dying out. And as, because everybody basically had to leave that was Hindu, um, all of these Sindhi people have ended up all over the world and they kind of lost their culture and as a mm. result lost their values and as a result and not, I'm not speaking for like everybody so I hope no one gets offended with this but it's set it seems like when a culture is displaced then money becomes the value money becomes like the cultural and social capital the thing that transcends all the other things that are lost which I think is rather sad in my perspective and I and I kind of observed this growing up um, at all the Indian weddings I went to and all the cultural things which were great but <clears throat> I knew that I I started to hate money and I don't know if you can even say money is a value but it's it, beco it becomes it takes place in the absence of where there aren't values that you've actually identified yourself I think and then when I came to Denmark which I think part of what even brought me to Denmark was like a search of values because I was like, okay, so I've been told, okay, Tina, you, you know, go to college, make some money, uh, you want to be an entrepreneur, fine, you're your own boss. And I was in this life and I was still like not happy. And I was like, okay, I did everything I was told to do and like based on like my family and societal values, but I'm not, it's not, it doesn't fit me. Oh shit. Okay. I need to. I need to, what, what do I want out of my life? What do I value also? I mean, we're playing a lot on this word value. And when I came here, I was like, re I ready to strip away everything, like kind of remodel my inner house, so to speak, which will resonate with you and your house. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so how much of like what I value is mine, like that I want to fucking keep <laughs> versus what was socialized in me through moving to India, through moving around, through my family, through my you know, family history and their traumas and things like that. And I feel like, I know one big value is like a core one for me is freedom. But it makes sense because you can also say, okay, that maybe that comes from my family. But there's also like female oppression and things like this. But core, core value like is freedom. And, but I had to understand and contextualize freedom because if you do freedom against all costs, it can cost you everything. And then I realized, okay, respect kind of anchors me. So it's like, pursuing freedom, but then respecting life um, in that juxtaposition. So you're anchored in some way because you can literally like lose friendships over the pursuit of freedom. Um, and I think on a daily level, I think feeling wise, inspired and, and wild and sometimes demure in terms of the context of like the Daniel Laporte framework. But I I spoke to, I remember speaking to a friend who's a social pedagogue and he talked about like this, I think it's a butterfly model. So it's like how we're socialized because socialization and values are related. So you have like the individual on one side and then the family on one side, then you have the school on one side, like how we're socialized in school and then um, the larger society and the individuals in the middle, like, like the individuals in the middle, like parents, siblings, um, uh, school stuff and society stuff. And we are in a time because of all the globalization that we're auto socializing and we're auto kind of figuring out what are our values. And in this is another thing, which is uh, the world value survey. Apparently there's been a world value survey that's been, do they've been doing it since like the eighties and they've mapped out like countries and cultures mm. like based on similar values and grouped them. And that's actually being used in the Scandinavian context of who should um, immigrate to here like to this region because they have the higher ch highest chance of integrating mm -hmm. because in this auto um, socialization model like if the values of your home are severely different from the society it can really it fucks with your identity yeah and that that's what can um 
make it difficult to integrate that also and I think I've experienced that to some degree look a bit in if you look from Indian values like on this like world value survey um, it's not that far to the left and and the x and y axis are something like uh, secularism I think and individual expression or something like that so it, if you not surprisingly you will actually see like Islamic countries on the bottom left mm. and you'll see like um, Scandinavian countries on the top right. I highly recommend like looking it up. Um, it's fascinating, even the parameters for how do you like <laughs> how do you capture values? Like mm. what are because values it feels like something intangible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are some of the nerdy things that I've uh, <laughs> nerded on this kind of question of values. Um, yeah, because sometimes you have to borrow from theory to break apart mm-hmm. your your kind of uh, socialization, and then you can s- you can step out on borrowing on theory, like to look at, oh shit, this thing that I'm saying is mine. It's actually not mine. Mm. It's actually because my grandfather said to my father one day, and then we started valuing this shit. Yeah. So, yeah. For me, it's I think it's really interesting, like to talk about culture and you know, value sets, because I think often, like, in Denmark, you forget about, like, where we're coming from. I mean, we're Vikings, right? Like, we're doing, we should be doing, like, big bonfires and, like, sailing around the globe as as we've been doing for, like, thousands of years. Pioneering. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, pi- and also building stuff and slaying a bit. But I think that, like, when you think about your roots as you do, uh, a lot, I think, because you're like living here <laughs> and you're like, you know, bringing the American and bringing the Indian to Copenhagen and is kind of using that in a creative way, which I see is a really, really big force of yours. Like, you know, that you're really conscious about, you know, where you're from and what your value set is and whether or not you agree with that, you know, imposing it. And also not. what I take on from the Scandinavian yeah. context, which has been such a yeah. privilege, like, and now yeah. I completely don't belong anywhere, but yeah. So one of the one of the value well I don't know if I would actually yeah I think it is a value like one of the values that we inherited in my family which I always thought is super weird is that because my family has all been sailors like we didn't bury people like we didn't have funerals for people we didn't say goodbye to them because it was you know, when they went away on the sea, you know, you didn't give them a funeral. You would have, like, some sort of ceremony uh, in, the, like, in the seaside, you know, on a boat. And then, you know, they wouldn't be buried any place on the ground because you didn't have, like, a corpse. Yeah. And that's something that has been carried through my, like, family for generations. And for me, it, it was, like, the first time I ever went to a funeral was when I was 20 five or six with what? my husband's grandfather what was it like like what it must have felt weird it was really hard for me to say goodbye because i'm not used to saying goodbye but actually when my my grandmother and grandfather died you know even though they weren't sailing we didn't have a funeral like so that's also i think it also ties a bit with respect and stuff like that and i have to say something really freaky i actually have a card cardboard uh what would you say uh stone yeah that i made with all their names on that yeah. i bring to the cemetery to go and say bye to them because i don't know where they're placed yeah. because we don't do that in my family yeah and i think that's like you know these little bits and pieces that we carry through generations but this one has been really weird to me especially after i started going to like going to funerals to I think I've been to like three or four funerals. It's almost like this like values, culture, then mix to make up traditions. Something like that. And I think that's actually very interesting. Um, It's just not saying goodbye, you know? And like, for me, I think there's a big liberation in it. But I also think that there could be like, you know, it's good to get that closure. Like a ritual. Yeah, there needs to be a ritual. Yeah. And that's like, that's one of the values that we always had because we were sailors. Yeah. I don't know if it goes back, like, all the way back to the Vikings, but I know it goes back at least to, like, the 18th, no, the 19th century. Yeah. Like, so that's, yeah. I think, I that's, think that's, like, some, like, a part of my roots, I think. Yeah. It's, and it's an interesting family value passed down. 
for sure. I think it's uh, it's rather unique. I think it is yeah. rather unique. It's cool. I think I think these kinds of things are um, it's funny th- things that develop in you know one generation or a few generations ago, and then mm. how we carry it, and then do we stop to question it? Is it still relevant and things like that? And and we, I haven't, I haven't really questioned it, you know. I just remember that I was talking to a friend when I was like in my teens, and I was like, I've never been to a funeral. Yeah. And she's like, Why haven't you been to a funeral? I'm like, We don't do that. We're sailors. Yeah. We're like my mother was a telegraphist. Uh, she sailed all around the world, you know. And my grandfather was like what bricklayer but my great-grandfather he was like a sailor and just sail under both i think it was both first and second world war he actually sailed some of the jews to to sweden from elsinore so yeah i think yeah it's it's interesting how these things like they they kind of just explode or they progress in some weird way you know they continue somehow Yeah. yeah you're like sailing uh people into better climate habits or (laughs) you know uh, more awareness of like yeah it's like that's really i think you know i think if we like go back i mean i don't have this privilege as much i just actually found out my great-grandfather's name um over christmas and um but i think if we grow back to our roots like we could find how we're similar yeah. And kind of repeating things in this way. I know that, okay, I know my grandfa- great-grandfather was, like, a landowner, but, like, everybody has been sort of entrepreneurial, then my grandfather, then my father, and, and now this is happening for me, and, and even my brother. So it's, like, we repeat things, I think. Uh, it's, like, continuing the work or something. Yeah. Well, my, my grandfather, on the other side, the non-sailor part of my family, he was also a really big entrepreneur. Like yeah. He had a big carpenter business in, in Hilsinger for like ever, like for seven, no, not 70 years, but at least for 30 or 40 years, always working. So I have that in me too. Uh, and I think it's interesting to see, you know, like today entrepreneurship is something that you, like it's a choice, right? Back then you need to learn a skill and you yeah. needed to be an entrepreneur to, to survive, to survive that's, right? I mean that's how it was with it's funny I was just I was on another po- I was on a, a guest on another podcast recently called uh, are you are you making it and it's about success yeah um, and redefining success right and um, and I talked about exactly this that like you know we talk about entrepreneurship now like now it's like um, something that's cool and you know, like my grandfather became an entrepreneur because he had to, and he was like one of those guys. Like I, did, I actually just literally learned about this like over Christmas. Like that, my grandfather, like my great grandfather, was like relatively he was wealthy, and then my grandfather, his son, um, because he was displaced as this refugee, like he was the guy with like you know a cloth and like some stuff selling it on the side of the road, and then he slowly worked up from that with his like family of I don't know five six children, like to then get enough money to you know and borrow some money to buy a store and mm. that then he passed on that store and this apartment to my father and it's so like I I had no idea like that's where I came from and I had such a um, I have such a sense of like humbleness humility such a sense of awe that like that he did that every day and slowly like worked up and then he also invested in this other family and he needed them to uh, give the money back and they went on to make a lot of money and it's so interesting how Mm. these stories work and with my mom's side um, also they were also of the same kind of origin refugee family as well and um, my grandfather on that side uh, he he had a toy store and so he would like uh, sell he would have my mom she was the youngest of like nine children (laughs) and um, he would let her play with some of the toys and then sell them because like it was like she blessed them or something and then she was over the toy anyway so it's Mm. I still can't process like that that's kind of where I'm from in this way and Mm. because I mean I didn't I didn't like have that level of those level of poverty experiences um, but it also goes to show you like how perseverance and step by step can really even if you're displaced from your generational land uh, that 
th- okay, those are also my roots. Like we were displaced by not our choice. It's like what was going on at that time. Uh, many people were b- displaced all over the world. And I really think uh, it's interesting kind of even what was going up, uh, going on in Europe. And, you know, I was speaking about this guy I dated and his grandmother who uh, was Norwegian and how, f- and I, and I, I, I found her story so interesting because he, um, she was, she met her Scottish husband during World War II, and um, then he just took her from this Norwegian island, and they moved to England. Mm-hmm. And I, and I heard about how poor she was, and I was thinking like, ah, oh, that's kind of similar to some of the things that my, you know, grandmothers were experiencing as they were displaced mm-hmm. as well, and how, even though they're worlds apart, seemingly like how universal that experience is, uh, despite you know like. Mm geography right like there's so much displacement at that time but i think i think it's common during wars you yeah, know that everything yeah. is just getting shaking up yeah like, i know like on my husband's side there is uh well, his grandmother was from the faroe islands and met his grandfather during the second world war you know yeah and just you know he made her move to denmark and i think there is actually a lot of faroe island chicks yeah, yeah, that yeah. moved to denmark <laughs> because of the danish sailors which is cool but i want to I, I want to go back a bit because uh i really like what you were saying about you know the humility of actually uh, no not the humility the humbleness sorry the humbleness of actually building stuff like i remember a couple of years back on my blog um there was this competition in Wired where you had to you had to build a story of six words only. It was like called the six word story, and I was talking to my friend, my Swiss friend uh, Jens Christian, about it, and we were like, "So if we're going to do a story, what would it be?" And we were like talking about it for days, and then we came up with this line that was, "Baby steps will get you there too." And I think like today I would be like baby steps will get you there because I think that's how you like transform. That's how you build, you know, and that's a very, it's, I think it's a core thing of mine. It's like, you just do one thing every day. You just put one Lego brick and then the next day you put another Lego brick and then you write another blog post and then you make another website and then you're like a real mountain goat. goat. Yeah. <laughs> Like the true Capricorn <laughs> yes. I am. This is why my closest friends are Capricorn. They keep me anchored. I'm a fire. And I'm like, sometimes I burn a little too much. Sometimes it's like, okay, got to get the fire started. I've been trying to regulate my, you know, energy levels. But uh, yeah, it's, yes. I think it's, I think like it's the only way to go with determination is just like, you're going to be slipping sometimes. You're going to be falling down the mountain, you know, but you just keep going. Yeah. small things just keep swimming just keep <laughs> swimming I <laughs> on days that I'm like kind of down because you know it's I'm in this like I'm just, I'm starting so many like new things and I and patience is something I'm working on and some days I'm like what the fuck you know like it's taking so long or some days I'm like what the fuck is wrong like I just get pissed right and you can go into this like negative state and I have to also we have to allow for the space to go down so that we we don't keep suppressing the negativity that's trying to Mm. be like witnessed um and I was talking to a friend for support and then I and then he was like yeah you just you know just one step at a time and and I was like yeah like Dory just keep swimming just keep swimming (laughs) (laughs) and it and it made me laugh a little and he laughed a little and then I was like yeah that's I mean yeah. I, I want to say that Tina has not been asking for a blood sacrifice since <laughs> episode one, so I think she's good, but that was scary. But I like when she asks for blood sacrifices, it's cool. <laughs> because then there's this chance to like take this anger and transform it into power, but you have to be... It shouldn't get to that level, I think. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, how, do you, how do you think... Like, regular expressions of anger is necessary, yeah, I think, yeah. in healthy doses. How do you think like values are transformed into energy or how do you think that like well that I was polite, when or? I when I was reading this I was reading about this world so I was reading about this world value survey right because the first time that I came across that was uh, I was watching this really great documentary called uh, the pink elephant um, which is it's about Sweden and immigration issues in Sweden but which is really a global problem like okay as you bring people of other backgrounds like it can um, it can disturb the society you've built and like 
now they're therein lies an ethical dilemma, right? Like we have some like responsibility to bring in people uh, who, and, and at some point, like parts of the earth are going to disappear. So like that's going to be inevitable. They're going to start clamoring. But how do you still protect like the good parts of society while still bringing in other people who have different values? So because if you lose yourself, then like then the whole thing gets fucked, right? And when I was watching that, then they talked about this world value survey and using this kind of thing. But it, but the reason why they started even doing this study, like from 1981 or something, is because because of globalization, we're like, bump, like here, you and me, right? Like you come from like a Scandinavian background, I have this Indian and American background, so already we were socialized into completely different values, and mm. now we're making a fucking podcast today, which is amazing. And so in this kind of globalized world, we're like bumping up against people who have completely different value sets. And I think I think you have to not, I don't think you have to look at it on the daily, on the hour, on the minute of like, are my values still the same? But I think we have to check in, like where do our values lead us? You know, like how do I want to feel in my life? Where do, And how do I, I, I mean, for me, I always knew it was sweet, freedom. Freedom mm -hmm. was like, I need to feel free. And I know I believe in past lives. I believe in, you know, even ancestral things. So I know where that comes from. Um, and I know that will always be a thing for me to feel free. To free, and that, and, and I like see that as like a core of um, a huge spiral, like freedom to dress however the fuck I want. Freedom to uh, speak my mind, but, and, and freedom to, uh, create, express, inspire, like, and uh, in, in the true, I think most artists are this expression of freedom, and I am that. The only thing, luckily, in the last year, I learned about respect, because I've also seen so much destruction that can, if you go mm. too far with a certain value in an absolute, like, orthodox way, then it's not anchored in, in life. No. Um, I yeah. think I'm just getting to learn uh, about respect, actually. That's like a new part of my journey, like self-respect. Like, what is that, you know? <laughs> what does that even mean, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting. But, yeah, it's something, I think it's, maybe it's something that you need to counter, you know, all the time. If your, like, value is freedom, then you need to have respect. And you need to have, like, freedom under respect. Yeah. Like, or... In Danish, you would say frihed under ansvar, which is like freedom under responsibility. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So you actually act responsible and just be like, oh, you I'm know, free to be yeah, free. You can do whatever I want, you know. But I think I think actually a lot of women are feeling that these days, like, you know, for me, like, I would call myself a feminist. I think a part of why I'm such a big advocate for women's rights and equality is because I have seen with my mother, with my grandmother, with my great-grandmother, like, they were, like, working their asses off for, like, 30 years in a factory, you know, coming home to a drunk husband, uh, not having the freedom. And me, I'm, like, the first woman who could, like, you know, I could own a house on my own. I could like, you know, do all of these things if I wanted to because I have like the financial ability to do that. And I really truly want that for every woman on the planet because I think it's so empowering. I mean, you can choose if you want to have a house or not have a house or you can choose to buy a car or whatever, but just the, I think we're the actual first generation who can choose that. Yeah. And that's why freedom is so important for a lot of women. And there's like, a lot of women out there who's not there yet. You I know? think I, you know, I don't know why. Like I, I have a lot of compassion for men as well. Like, cause like I, I, like I feel like uh, yeah. I just cause I guess you know in some way I was like my my dad's confidant. Like as he was going through his entrepreneurial journey, and then I'm I've been very close to my brother as well, and I've seen their struggles. And in this way, I have, even though I don't have kids and I'm not married, like, I have a very, like, motherly quality. So I just, like, they don't say it because there isn't space to say their struggles, men, you know? Like, yeah. there isn't space to cry so much and there isn't space to be so vulnerable because there's a different kind of conditioning. And I, 
and I would say I'm a humanist. Like, I just believe, like, the man, like, or if we talk in spiritual elements, like, the male, and not even male, uh, genitally, like, uh, masculine energy is wounded, and so is the feminine. Mm. But there needs to be a correcting, right? Like, we're moving through some correction, but as we move through this correction, I think um, for feminine energy, we have to do it in a way that's actually uh, harmonizes both because mm. I also feel like from a sp- there's okay we could talk about it from like a male physical construct and spiritual construct spiritual construct we all have masculine and feminine in ourselves and you know you might have more feminine than masculine but we have both elements the same with males but I there's so many males I've also come across when I get to know them like I can see how suppressed and oppressed there are they there's so much uh and even like if you think about it like it with your family like or a lot of uh, families where you know the someone's on alcoholic or someone's like whatever because they're fucking suffering inside yeah. right but then we just but it, we can't solve all causes so it's I, but where from where I sit for me I feel like I'm someone who's supposed to uh, bring everyone together like not just mm-hmm. like in this male female conversation just even across you know uh, intersectionality right mm-hmm. across like uh, gender and race um, because I've seen you know the colored man who is gay's experience um, and so it's not there's such nuance to this stuff but I don't want to um, I, I don't know why I feel strongly about this but like I don't want to alienate the male from this societal conversation that we're in because no. we we need each other. I think I think it's just really important just to acknowledge that, you know, we need to be equal everywhere. Yeah. Like, as and it needs to be balanced, you know, and I feel like there's a lot of fem- female energy rising right now. It's something about astrology and stuff like that. But and I'm wondering sometimes I'm wondering like what's happening with like the male energy. Like, where does that go? You know, is it going to destruction? Or, like, you know, if the female energy is rising, like, is the male energy rising too? Or is it, like, diminished? It's like, is it like, are we going towards a matriarchy? Like, you know, we've been having a patriarchy for, like, ages, you know? I think, I mean, when I talk, I don't, I talk to a lot of males. And when I talk to them, there's more of these kinds of sharing circles we should probably have a male on the show yeah <laughs> just we should we'll like, get a man tell in us here. about your maleness <laughs> 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 but i from what my experience is like i i talk to a lot of different spiritual like from the spiritual communities even business communities but i have noticed i can only uh get closer to males have that have a bit of a light on because then it doesn't i can't go into old constructs anymore and a lot of them, it seems they're opening up to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't as much camaraderie. Like, there was a bit of camaraderie amongst men, but there's becoming more. And also having the space to cry and be vulnerable and talk about suffering and talk about feelings and accessing these things that have been blocked. So I see as not only women, per se, but this uh, fe- feminine energy, it's also waking up in them. Mm. I think the energy that like is rising in women is like uh you know uh, like literally genitally women uh maybe there's like a strength uh like a, this female warrior kind of coming up and for men it's sort of maybe female mother like it's like this nurturing side that hasn't really been there for them like mm. inside it's it's what I uh, from based on the conversations I have and you know, some of the men that I've gone on dates with recently, like, you know, like, it's been nice because there's this sensitivity um, that's awakening in them, and they're also able to receive the female the way she is and see strength and vulnerability and things like that. So there is something happening (laughs) with that species of men that are so mystical, even to women. (laughs) Yeah, we don't get you. But we love you. Yeah, you're kind of nice. (laughs) I actually, I wanted to talk about, like, um, spiritual values. Like, I mean, that was one thing that I'm really grateful for with my lineage and heritage and family. Like, I mean, I remember, I like, uh, my earliest memory of, like, something spiritual was, like, when I was eight, and I heard this word, ruhaniyat. Ruhani means, like, s- uh, soul, spiritual, something. And then ruhaniyat is, like, spiritualism or soul stuff. And I was like, what is this word? <laughs> like, I don't know what this word is, because it's like almost it has like uh, Urdu or Arabic origins. Um, 
I think it comes from Sufism, actually. And I, I was like, my parents would go to something called satsang, which is like sat means truth and sung is company. So to seek truth in company. And there would be like English discourses and Hindi discourses and Punjabi discourses. There would be some singing. And it would be like a philosophical discussion of a given topic across different religions. And I'm really fucking grateful for that because I was sort of brought into we are one. There is like one truth that's stitched through all of these sort of religions and stuff. And and as a result, then I would always help to take care of kids and things like that during um, while the satsangs were happening because like kids couldn't go into the discourses. But I then through that, I going to that every Sunday, learning about all this, like that religion is so vast, religion and philosophy is so vast and there's religion where you are just doing things versus really thinking about it from a philosophical perspective. And then and then, and then going to India, I was exposed to like Hinduism. I mean, we were still kind of doing some Hindu rituals. Like we had a temple in the house and we would celebrate Diwali and like put the little mm -hmm. candles on. And I'm really, really grateful for those traditions and being exposed to all those religions, being exposed to Rumi, like at a very mm -hmm. young age, learning about whirling dervishes at a like, literally like eight is my earliest memories of the, the spiritual encounters. And being born in a home where my parents meditated for two and a half hours every day. And then even, they still do that. And, you know, being in India, like we lived in a, <laughs> in a three room apartment. So my parents slept in one room and me and my brother were in the other room. And in our room was the temple. So my mom would be there at like five in the morning every day and just like chanting and singing. And I used to be so pissed about it because, you know, I was fucking 10 or like between ages like 11 to 13 is when we lived in India. And I was like, it's so fucking annoying, you know. And now I look back at it and I have this uh, Ganesh that um, you have seen that's from that time. And I'm so grateful, you know, because it like, I mean, the dedication, devotion, the the temples we went to like so this spans now across values that okay value there's something bigger than us mm. and i am so i think that's like the biggest that's the greatest gift my family has uh, passed on to me and that and in in the face of that a sense of humility and humbleness mm. that there is something bigger yeah and it can it, you can have many names for it but there is and this I think as so I'm still in awe, like even as I talk about it. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, it just struck me when you were saying that, you know, that, you know, Denmark and Scandinavia per se is, you know, all of us were Vikings. We were like, you know, into the Nordic mythology, but we don't have like, we don't have artifacts on that, like at home, like you would get like some guys who is wearing like the, uh, the hammer of Thor, you know, but it's not a part of like it doesn't feel like it's a part of our culture maybe it's because of like you know uh religion coming like christianism what do you call it christianity yeah, you yeah. know and but it's some sometimes you can find you know different artifacts from that time you know you can find like viking ships or there's like rune stones and stuff like that but it's not something that you used it's not something you don't have like Diwali rituals yeah and i think uh, there's yeah and there, sh there should be yeah. like i want to do like i want to i mean the most ritualistic i would do that i could say was probably with the northern mythology is you know lighting a bonfire or doing a barbecue I mean, or the something sung ten, it's, it's sung tens right sung like, tens. yeah i wish i thought was really you, sh you should talk about what that is but yeah sometimes uh sometimes is um it's the lightest day of the year up here it's i think it's it's somewhere around the 23rd of june and uh what we do <laughs> this is going to be sounding super weird to people who is not from denmark it's so the coolest we, thing ever it's so what we do is that we gather around we sing we make a big bonfire and we put a witch on top of that bonfire to send her to blocksbjerg which is where the witches come from in germany apparently and it's like it's a tradition that's been happening for hundreds of years and it's it's still here and it's really interesting to think like to think where that came from right like in Sweden, they have something else where they're it's like, like summer, yeah, midsummer, yeah, midsummer, yeah. which 
it's somewhat around the same, but in Denmark we have Sankhanks and that's I think I I remember when I first came to Denmark and I was I had actually just uh, it was June and I had seen it and we were in a boat or something and then I could see all the fires, um, yeah. the bonfires on the shorelines. Mm. It was really it was just really beautiful. I mean, I I this thing about because for me I I don't know when I first came here I was like okay I bet that like the Vikings my my history is like fucked so I was like oh the Vikings and the Vedic people know each other you know like definitely <laughs> and then my friends like Tina Vedic people are way older and then I was like. Okay. <laughs> and then we had a conversation. <laughs> I know it's really. And then then I had a conversation with the same friend um like a week ago and he was like, "Well, one thing that's really interesting is like a lot of indigenous cultures through time like start would sing the same way. So for instance, Samic people which are from Finland, um the way that they sing is a bit like how indigenous people from what is America like sang." And he was like, "How is that possible? They didn't have contact most likely." And then he was like, then we started talking about this collective conscience thing, like how, because there's certain things that like, uh, you know, similar gods, similar language things, like that maybe people didn't have to meet and they just accessed something mm. that was like shared knowledge because because I'm actually interested in like, I'm, you know, obviously I told you the story that, okay, at eight, we were talking about all these religions. I'm interested in Nordic mythology and like some of the similarities in Hindu stuff or mm. Vedic stuff. And I had... um I'm waiting for someone to give me my runes who's super mystical because I would like to work with them in some way. And I, I actually have a tattoo like of a uh, rune which is called Thir. It's how you would say it in Icelandic or Old Norse or something. And it's like, it's really funny because I knew when I was, um, when I was, uh, before I came to Denmark or knew that I was gonna come to Denmark, I kept seeing myself as an archer. And the way like, you know, graceful warriors kind of they're looking for their mark, and I and and I was it was like I was searching for a direction, and then I heard that this is a spiritual symbol, and I was like, okay, whatever, and and I never did archery, so I started to mess around with some archery, and then um, then when I came to Denmark, then I had had some I met my spiritual teacher, I went to some healers in Schwarzwald and Germany, and then I was ready to get a tattoo, and I got a tattoo which is Swatantra, which is like means free. And I knew I want. I thought it was like, let me get the bow and arrow. And then this tattoo artist, he put this bow and arrow. Then he took it off, and uh, because I didn't feel it, I wasn't ready. And I got it a year later mm. on my birthday. Um, because what happened was I had a friend who um, is Danish, and her roots are here. And and she's she has some spiritual. The lights on, and so she. I was, I don't know, I was like, you should work with runes. It's in your roots. So she made root, uh, runes mm. and she pulled one for me and she pulled Thir. And, um, and I was like, okay, so that's how I'm going to get it. It's going to be a rune, this arrow, because I now have pulled the arrow and now I'm here. And then when I had it um, and I went to my birthday party that evening, uh, my other Danish friend told me, she was like, you know, that's also the letter T. And I was like, that's really special because... Like, um, my name is Tina because in Hindu traditions, there's an optimal sound to your name based on your time and place of birth. And the optimal sound for my name is T. That's why I'm Tina. But also, in Sanskrit, Thir also means arrow. <laughs> and that is what a Thir symbol looks like. So it's like this union of, like, a full circle, if you will, of traditions and time and language and stuff. And I, when, I don't know, when I see that, it makes me... It makes me see there's so much uh, interconnectedness between us, even if we've never met. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, when you say that, you know, it, it reminds me of the Greek goddess Artemis. Mm -hmm. you know, Ar Ar Artemis. Artemis. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was also, you know, bow and arrow and protector of, you know, What is she animals. the goddess of? Because uh, I've seen her. She's, she's like the hunt, like a bunch of things, okay. but a hunter. Okay. Right? Okay. And. Like, to me, I don't know what I would, re like, I've always seen myself, okay, if I, like, close my eyes and I'm like, okay, what kind of a Viking am I, you know? Yeah. I would, like, see myself as, like, this shield maiden or something like that. Freya, right? I or Not Freya. No, I would, maybe more Frigg. Okay, maybe that's, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Frigg. Freya is... Softer? She's too soft for okay. me. <laughs> Even though she is also a, a war goddess, yeah. 
but I feel like Frigg is wiser, you know. And Tell me about Frigg, because I don't know about her. I'm getting it down. If she's really called Frigg. Well, the Frigg that I... Yeah. Is Odin's wife. Okay. So, or is... Wait, no? I'm not really sure now, actually. Or it's Udon who is Odin's wife. I can't remember. But anyway, the Frigg that... that I'm like, it's the wise one who's married to Odin, whether she's called Frigg or Odin. I think she is called Frigg. Yeah. But it's um, it's really interesting, you know, to, to think about, like, we could all, like, resemble these kind of goddess yeah. and gods. And what I think is really interesting is that even though, you know, you have all these different religions in the world, there's always this uber god, you know. There's always an Odin or a Zeus or a you know god yeah. or uh, or trinities uh, yeah or buddha or something yeah i don't know if buddha is a god though like yeah. sorry yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i'm not the keeper of religion so i don't know no but i think i think there are like you know and then you have all these deities you know that mm. are always there like doing representing special things and i think that's really beautiful about religion and i also think that that's how what would you say you teach the Nordic mythology to kids here is through there's this uh, cartoon called Valhalla where um, I need to watch this cartoon. Oh, you haven't seen? I have it on DVD. You oh, can borrow it, babe. It. Cool. <laughs> no, it, and it's it's something you know where they tell the stories of you know the wolf, the big Fenris wolf. Yeah, and, that's like, the so Thier is the god of justice, and he's the one who like. Um, fought with this wolf and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah and he lost an eye yeah yeah that's really yeah but yeah so like the wolf is kind of big but it's really cute and (laughs) i don't think i don't think the fenris wolf was cute at all no he would look like scary you would have like the the middle guard worm you know yeah who is like you know embracing the whole planet and stuff like that it's it's really really special to think about, you know, how we're communicating these things. You know, it's actually now I'm it's like we're a bit full circle, right? Because it's like it's it's through these storytelling, these uh, creation myths, these things that we would communicate values and cultures and traditions yeah. uh, through time. So it's interesting that here we are talking about that. Yeah. And I I mean, this is also this is how it was, you know, with me, I. We had uh, VHS things of uh, Ramayan. There were like 13 tapes because there was like 13 chapters. Mm. And I didn't watch the Mahabharat so much, but the Ramayan, yes. There's been these shows about like all these gods and goddesses and their saga. And uh, and I love that stuff. And mm. I also think it's interesting to know about the gods and goddesses and our given roots because mm. then you can identify like, oh, I, I for instance, I resonate with uh, Mahakali and 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 La- Mahalakshmi like these are two and there's a trinity and of uh, with um with Saraswati as well and she's a creative goddess and and it just I think it's interesting these values and expressions amongst the goddess and the human nature of some of these uh, gods mm. and goddesses and to see yourself not as god but see attributes of a god in you um, yeah. is also it plays with the imagination a bit and yeah. Do you ever like because I've been thinking about this? Do you ever like hide some of your goddess statues that you have at home? Because I was thinking like, okay, so this summer, um, a lot of stuff has happened since the summer, but I got myself this ancient Kali statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's beautiful, but now I'm like looking at it and being like, maybe I should put it away because I mean, I've been like transforming a lot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to calm down a bit now right yeah so i was thinking maybe it would help to like i don't know put a sheet over her or something like that so she's not like visible. <laughs> i don't know i mean it's she like facilitates um transformation you need so i mean i so the the mahakali that i have i actually it's actually because uh i had done this pilgrimage when I was 11 to Vaishnava Devi and in Vaishnava Devi they say and this is like in northern India and they say that their the trinity showed up there so like their faces showed up there so to actually make a god out of like clay or do it yourself is very um auspicious but it takes time for that idol to develop power because you've made it out of nothing mm-hmm. so I painted mine mm-hmm. um and I painted it at the time that I kind of started my journey with our teacher and um I leave her exposed. I mean, it's 
now it's like she she's pushing you through like a time that you're meant to go through <laughs> it's gonna be more than a summer um <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> it's maybe like a two-year cycle of all the transformation wow. that we haven't done kind of thing yeah. and but it it it, it right sizes right yeah. so now i have i'm moving away from i think i've actually always been aligned with mahalakshmi but i think in some ways uh uh sh- i sure me she was soft and I was always intrigued by Mahakali, but in, in actually in uh, Indian circles, it, you no one wants to like, because she looks so yes. wild, um, you don't want any female associated with her. There's actually some suppression on that because I was telling my mom, actually, I was like, oh, I feel connected to this goddess. And then my mom talked to her sister or something. And her sister was like, oh, make sure that you know, no one tells anybody about this. And I was like, what like it's so because it's again this like female um it's like sorry ideals of uh it's like the light and the darkness (laughs) right it's like the duality of life i think well from my own spiritual journey i think it's super important that you learn to embrace like you know the destructor also you learn to embrace you know the action part of you because i mean she is i mean i would even say that kali is you know one of the biggest uh, advocates for entrepreneurship because she's like disruptive central yeah <laughs> disrupting right so um i i think it's like a part of me feels like she's been misinterpreted she has she totally i mean people see like skulls it's funny because it's like like okay we we see okay we live in a world of duality of like black and white but actually she is the most fierce mother she is the most fierce mother because she is fighting to protect all of the gods. But then people look at um, her in this form of like, you know, naked and arms, skirt and whatever. And they're just like, oh, she's the goddess of death. It's like, yeah, OK, ego death, maybe. But she's actually the most fiercest loving mother because she'll she's going out there to fucking protect. Yeah. And, and, and it's real tough love to push like the people that her her in Hindi you would say bhakt or Sanskrit you would say bhakt like her devotees like through transformation because she also knows like it's like the way a real parent will be like all right son daughter time for you to go into the world you know mm. like that's real that's real love yeah um yeah oh I got cool. chills saying that <laughs> oh me too I just got it over now I got like I have my like, my head Aww. just like uh I have like we should talk more about that in another episode because I really like the whole you know how you for example like you have an heritage and how you kind of can pass it on you and evolve it yeah. yeah or you can also like block it or you know see like if you're going to be the installation or whatever back yeah. to matriarchy and equality and femininity i guess but we've been like talking for like almost an hour and i think we need need to wrap up like uh but it was it was again an interesting and arriving somewhere to i mean i didn't know we would talk about like of gods and 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 like roots and i but i it's lovely it's been uh even surprising for me isn't (laughs) isn't culture like you know the society version of values or i think so it's it's I was actually, I've been taking some notes and I'm like, okay, values, mythology, tradition, evolving into culture. Yeah. And then I was thinking like, maybe we'll call this episode of Gods and Goddesses. Yeah. Because we are goddesses. <laughs> yeah. In our own rights. In our own rights. <laughs> yes. All right. Any last words? No, I would just, I just you know, signing off from Goddess Tina. <laughs> and signing off for warrior goddess Henrietta. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Bye.